0: Christchurch New Malden Sunday the 12th of February 2023 9:30 service Katie Lofman speaking in the series Outsiders Come to God Cornelius During the days of the British Empire Britain ruled countries like India and lots of British people lived there They had all the top dot jobs and they were sometimes a bit oppressive They kept themselves apart, and they didn't mix with the locals as equals. Those ruling classes would never have admitted it, but they were definitely outsiders in that country. Although they probably thought it was the other way round. And that's a bit like Cornelius. He was a senior officer in the Roman army of occupation. He would have been hated by the Jews because of the oppressive empire that he represented. So they would have avoided him for very valid political reasons. What have the Romans ever done for us, after all? And they shunned him as well for being a Gentile. So how did it feel to be Cornelius, I wonder? Well, the typical image of the Romans is that they were proud and entitled and they were throwing their weight about and keeping the locals under control. They felt they had a right to be there because they had defeated Israel and they were obviously generally superior. Maybe this centurion was proud to be there too and proud of his service to the emperor. But some clues in our reading tell us that Cornelius was a bit different. Not quite the same as some of the other soldiers around him. He was possibly more of an outsider than you might think. First of all, his name, Cornelius. About 100 years earlier, a Roman general called Cornelius Sulla became famous for a lot of reforms, one of which was freeing 10,000 slaves. So many of those slaves took Cornelius' name, Cornelius Sulla's name, or they named their children after him. And this Cornelius may have been descended from one of those freed men. If he was, I wonder how conscious he was of his lower class roots. Did he feel like an outsider alongside the other Roman centurions? But in any case, his name is very much associated with the transition from slavery to freedom. Secondly, Acts takes the trouble to tell us that Cornelius was a centurion in the Italian regiment. Most of the other soldiers stationed at Caesarea were Syrian, so the Italian regiment was different. Here was also an association with slavery. Some historians think that many of the members of this Italian regiment had previously been slaves, but they'd been given their freedom to enable them to join up and join the army. Again, not only a reason to feel like an outsider, but another symbol of the transition from slavery to freedom. And finally, Cornelius was clearly a practicing Jew. He didn't pray to the pagan Roman gods and goddesses. He didn't worship the emperor as people were required to do. He'd gone native, he worshiped God. He prayed at the appointed times and he was keen to learn more about his faith. Of course, as a Gentile, he wasn't allowed to make sacrifices in the temple because he was an outsider. But Acts tells us more than once that he was very generous in giving to the poor. It suggests that his generosity made up for the fact that he couldn't do the sacrifices. God saw that as his offering. But following the Jewish religion must have made him an outsider among his peers. It could even have been dangerous. Dangerous not to toe the emperor's party line. But that didn't mean that he found his niche among the Jews either, because being a Roman would have definitely made him an outsider to the other Jews, regardless of his faith. So although at first glance a Roman centurion might look like a secure part of the ruling class, very much on the inside, in fact, this one had a number of reasons to feel a little bit on the outside. And perhaps that's what made him open-minded. It was while he was praying that he saw an angel who instructed him to send for Peter. And when Peter arrived a few days later, they both had the most extraordinary experience. Peter told him and his family about Jesus. And even before he'd finished speaking, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And this was amazing, because Cornelius wasn't even Jewish. He was a Gentile. So to Peter and the disciples that he had with him, this was a very visible sign that Christianity went beyond Judaism. It was more than just a Jewish sect. It showed that, it showed everybody there that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, but Jesus came for everyone. No one is outside his love and no one is excluded from his grace. They saw the wonderful truth that there are no outsiders with Jesus. Meanwhile, what was happening with Peter? Well, when all this was happening with the angel and the vision and everything, Peter was staying with a tanner called Simon. And tanners work with animal skins to make leather. So this means that they are in contact with dead animals. So under Old Testament law, that made them unclean. So Simon the Tanner would have been treated as an outsider as well. But for Peter, Christian love for a fellow human being trumped that, and he was happy to stay in his house. So it's significant that Peter had a vision about unclean food while he's staying in the house of an unclean man. By doing that, Peter was already putting Christian unity above the divisions of the law. So this probably made him more open to the vision that he had. But it sounds as if the tanner's wife was still keeping a good kosher kitchen. So when Peter, in his vision, he was invited to eat all sorts of non-kosher meat, he refused. Surely not, he said. I've never eaten anything unclean. It took three goes for Peter to get the message, The message that nothing that God had created or made clean could be unclean. Jesus had paved the way for this with the Pharisees. They were very careful not to eat anything which might make them unclean. But Jesus tells them it's the hypocrisy that comes out of their mouth that makes them unclean, not any food that they put in it. And it gives a reason. Acts 11 verse 15 says... Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And that's the point. Jesus' death has redeemed everything in the whole world and made it clean. At the moment, things are still messed up by evil, but often it's possible to see something good in something, especially if we look with the eyes of faith. And when we dwell on that and we point it out, and we, then we demonstrate the redeemed nature of that part of the world. And we're giving a living foretaste of God's kingdom, a kingdom where everything will be not just clean, but holy. So our job here is to notice the holy that's already in things, whether that's an object, or an event, or a situation, or a relationship, and, or even a person, and we can focus on the good side and amplify it as much as we can in order to demonstrate the goodness of God's kingdom. Once I worked in a small office where people were very bitchy. When we were together, we bitched about the boss. If one person wasn't there, we bitched about her. I was scared to leave the room for fear of what they'd say about me when I was out of the door. One day, I decided to say something different. We were talking about one of our colleagues saying the usual nasty things and I said something nice about her expecting to be shouted down, but actually I couldn't believe the response. Someone agreed with me and then someone else said something else nice about that person. And eventually everyone actually had something nice to say about this colleague and I was amazed at how my one little comment had changed the situation. So we can look for these opportunities to bring a little light into a conversation or a relationship to inject a bit of the redemption that Jesus brought to the whole world. Going back to Peter, there was a traditional Jewish belief at that time that when the Messiah comes, all food will be okay to eat, nothing will be unclean. So when Peter saw this vision, it carried a distinct message. It was confirmation that Jesus was in fact the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for. And what was the job of the Messiah? To rescue the Jews and bring salvation. Freedom from evil. So freedom from slavery to evil. So in this event in Acts, Peter has a vision that confirmed that Jesus came to free the Jews from spiritual slavery and it takes him to a Gentile whose name and job title have echoes of freedom from slavery. But what's the significance of this freedom to eat any food? For the Jews, eating the right food and obedience to all the other laws was a sign of their identity, a way of life that demonstrated their separateness, separateness from the cultures around them, a separateness that showed that they were set aside for God, his chosen people. But now, the Jews who believed in Jesus were coming to realise that the law was no longer the source of their identity. Their true identity was in Jesus. And that freed them from the constraints of the law. So, in fact, any Jews who were trying to make new converts conform to the law were trying to drag them back into slavery Because it's not slavish obedience to the law that makes us holy. The Pharisees show us that. It's being in Jesus. Only Jesus can free us from the slavery of evil and bring us into the freedom of his grace and forgiveness. So this vision held an important lesson for Peter and his ministry and the whole church, all of us too one that's relevant to us today. Our identity is in Jesus, and there are no divisions between us. We have no reason to treat anyone as an outsider. Peter was challenged to put this into practice straight away. Cornelius' messengers were at the door, inviting him to come and talk to their master, a Roman and a Gentile, unclean, His house, his meals, his fellowship, all taboo under the Old Testament law. But with this vision fresh in his mind, Peter knew it was the right thing to go. And there he had another shock. Lots of people had turned up to greet Peter, not just Cornelius' family. And they were desperate to hear more about Jesus. And as Peter spoke, they believed in him and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Could a non-Jew become a Christian? Surely not. The Messiah was for Israel and salvation is for the Jews, wasn't it? But here was real confirmation that that belief had to go. This was a hot topic in the early church. Some thought that Gentiles who became Christians also had to take on all the constraints of the law, getting circumcised and following the food rules. And there were very senior leaders on each side of the debate. This vision of Peter's is a decisive word from God that forces Peter to recognise that there must not be no such barriers stopping people from coming to God. And the same goes for us. We have no right to require people to meet certain criteria before we accept them as Christians. It's true that there are things that experience tells us helps people to grow in their faith like coming to church and having a daily private quiet time with God and of course believing, behaving in a loving way but they're the results of faith, not the prerequisites for faith. No one can say he can't be a Christian unless he does xyz. So when Peter is asked to eat unclean animals in the vision, his response is, surely not. Are there things we might be asked to do as a Christian where we say, surely not? When I was growing up, there was a strong belief that gay relationships were wrong. And there was a deep suspicion of anyone who was gay who said they were a Christian. And the thinking was, how could they be a Christian if they're gay? And I found this position very harsh and difficult. And then a member of our family came out as gay. She had a new girlfriend who was introduced to us and became part of the family. Surely not. I was thrown into a dilemma. I wanted to stay close to this relation, of course, but I didn't see how we could invite her and her girlfriend to our house to eat with us and to sit at our table as a couple. And this was tearing me apart. And I talked about it with Stuart Downey, who was our previous vicar, and he showed me that love was more important. I should not allow my feelings about her relationship to get in the way of my love for her, and for her girlfriend, who actually is lovely. Like Peter, I had to get rid of an idea that I held dear for the sake of something more important, for the sake of love and inclusivity and the freedom to be one family together. Peter puts it succinctly in Acts 10 verse 28, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Our relationships with everyone need to be based on the inclusivity of love, knowing that each one of us is made by God loved by God and redeemed by Jesus' death. Some people choose to keep themselves apart from God, making God the outsider. It's so much better to be like Cornelius and open your heart to God, let him in, learn more, receive the Holy Spirit in your heart as they did on that day. No one is ever an outsider with God. No matter how different you feel or not, or how much you feel you don't quite fit in, know this, you are at the centre of God's love. The question is, how you respond?